Hello and welcome back to this week's Eurofocus podcast, your number one place for everything European football. Across the continent, results have been coming in that could well be season-defining. I'm here with Harrison to discuss exactly that. And I'll come to you first, Harrison, in a second, discussing yesterday's encounter between Arsenal and Liverpool. But once again, massive welcome back to this week's podcast and a very much big thank you for listening. So, Harrison, yesterday we saw a brilliant encounter between Arsenal and Liverpool at the Emirates. And I think, personally, huge three points and a three points that Arsenal very much had to get. So, what are your overall thoughts on yesterday? Um, well, I think it makes the, the, the title race a bit more interesting again. Obviously, they'd have gone, what, was it like seven points clear if they beat them yesterday? If Liverpool, Liverpool beat Arsenal, yeah. yeah. Um, I, don't, I still don't think Arsenal got the legs for it, but I don't think it was like... A, a convincing game do you know what I mean like the goals weren't like not, I don't want to say deserved but like obviously there's a couple of blunders and stuff that led to, to the scoreline yeah, yeah, yeah. so I don't think it was very reflective um, I don't know it, it's just one of them games I feel like it could have gone either way I mean I was expecting Liverpool to win going into it to be fair um, especially with obviously the, the, the Klopp news and stuff mm, like and that the form but, they've been in as well oh yeah, yeah 100% I mean everyone sort of slates them to, to not be the team that they was formerly, but I think they've got just as good a chance as anyone up in that section to, to win the league this season, I do. I mean, for me, it was, as I say, I think a three points that Arsenal needed to get because we've seen them in games like that in the past where that game could have been the one to really put their title hopes back in flames, really. But I think to get three points yesterday, yes, I know Manchester City, you are set to play tonight, do have two games in hand, and if they win those two, they will get to the top of the table. It's expected though, that is, isn't it, really? Yeah. With them. Happens every year. Oh, yeah. But with Arsenal, I think it was nice to see them go into a game, a must-win game, and get the three points and a, a good performance alongside it. Yeah, it's very uncharacteristic of them. Like I said, In I was expecting times, them to go into yeah. it and just choke. They take the one nil, and then I was expecting it to just fold from there, especially when the Diaz goal went in, and obviously yeah. it was a bit of a miscommunication at the back and that. I was expecting the game to just go completely on its head for them then. But they stuck it out, and they got two goals... Albeit they're very, very strange goals, weren't they, really? Strange and fortuitous, but I think that you make your own look at times, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, 100%. That's, that's how you win a title, that is, isn't it? When you, when you nick goals like that. Liverpool, obviously the news of Jurgen Klopp mm. leaving at the end of the season. I mean, I know your personal thoughts <laughs> on yeah. all of that. So just enlighten everybody. Um, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of him. I'm not. I think he's, he's he's done a good job at Liverpool. I don't want to take anything away from him. But my take on it is, is I think in order to be a Premier League grace, you have to have won the Premier League affair. It's like for me, yeah. Look, I think he's just had he's had a good a good ten tenure there, um, and he like I say he bought the club out of a very dark place. However. Um, at, at what point do you start calling managers like Renieri one of the greatest because he, he won one Premier League do you know what I mean I think he's a great manager I don't think he's one of the greatest I think there's a line but at the same time he's been against one of the greatest teams of all time mm-hmm. I mean to, to come second in a title race with when Liverpool finished with 97 points or 96 one of the two and not to win the Premier League with that tally that's more of a testament to how good Manchester City were Oh yeah, 100%. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from the club. I think they've had some great, great seasons that will be remembered by people that obviously can remember it for, for a long, long time and look back on. But I still don't think that he's made enough of a mark to be considered. I won't look back and call him one of the greatest anyway. Like I say, I think there's a, there's a, there's a line between great and greatest. And I think to only have one Premier League... I mean, I know it's a hot take. There are many people out there that, that will disagree with that. There's but people probably slamming their phones into wherever they are. Yeah, the definitely. But I also think there's people out there that will see where I'm coming from because I just don't think you can have one Premier League and be considered one of the greatest managers to ever grace the league. He has got them to three Champions League finals, though. I think, I think for me, there's four managers better than him that have been in the Premier League. I couldn't accept that. Yeah, you've got Ferguson, you've got Wenger, you've got Pep, and you've got Mourinho as well. Mm. And I think all four, them four for me are the greatest. I think Klopp, this is where it's hard. Like I say, you've got you've got to draw the line somewhere. And I just don't think you can say someone who's putting good seasons can be one of the greatest. They have to have the cabinet to match the, the career. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do, I do get that point. But where do you see them in the title race this season? I, I think I think with with the news breaking of Klopp, it'll spur them on. They're very much like that Liverpool are. They have. Mm. They have a very strong, like obviously, 
it's a it, like fan base. Do you know yeah, what I mean? They the, all the connection is from yeah the, the club to the support. I feel yeah, I feel like it motivates, and they're one of the best clubs in the league for that. Really, in terms of like you say, the, the connection between the fans and the players. I think when um, the fans are in full spirit and they're behind the team, they're one of the most unplayable teams. Yeah, in the world probably. So I think it's quite sad. As much as I hate to say, because I'm not a big fan of Liverpool, but. Um, I, th- I think that the, the news breaking of Klopp is good enough motivation of any for them to, to go on and, and win the league. In the title race as well, well, I say in the title race, yourself as an Aston Villa fan. Hmm. Mathematically we are. Mathematically, yeah. I don't think we've got the legs for it. Just overall thoughts on Aston Villa. We know how well you've been, speak- been, been speaking about Villa recently, away from the podcast, but being as it is your first time back since... <laughs> October was it? Yeah, so no, it's been a bit um, of a turn, hasn't there, since then. I think it was the the weekend that we played you, wasn't it? The last time you was on. Yeah, probably the weekend before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, overall thoughts, enlighten us. Um, I think we are massively overachieving. Not to say I'm not enjoying it because it's every supporter's dreams. Have you? Yeah, I mean, we are course, in yeah. we are in the title race conversation currently. Like I said, I don't think we'll win it. There'll be a certain point in the season. I'm going to say around March, April, where I reckon we cut adrift. Still think we we could get fourth, but in terms of competing for the title, I think we cut adrift in about April when when you have City always do their trademark ten eleven games win streak, yeah. don't you? And Liverpool will probably do the same as well. Um, and Arsenal, I mean, I think we'll be in and around them, but they'll pip us. I think fourth or fifth is reasonable for us. We're on our day, we are brilliant, brilliant. The, the change. I mean, I remember, what, like four years ago, sitting in the Championship five years ago and watching us slug games against Rotherham away <laughs> and stuff, do you know what I mean? And then to be in the Premier League now and to have this and to be in the conversation, with, and some of our players as well are just... I do think, I don't want to sound biased, but I think we've got one of the best starting 11s in the league. In, oh, definitely, in terms yeah. of squad depth, not so much. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If we have a few big injuries, I mean, you see with, with the difference when Paul Torres is in at the back... I think he's massive for us, and it's it's one of them where it flew under the radar. Because yeah. I don't think that, for instance, Carlos and that a bad as a. I mean, if, if you'd say to me five years ago, you'd have Diego Carlos as a, a um, what's it called, substitute to be able to bring yeah. him. I'd be like, hey, that's mad. Yeah. That is, but yeah. um, I think when we're fully fit, we're all right. I think we need to bolster the squad in the summer uh, in order to be able to stay up there. Because obviously it's what, we could do one of them things where we end up getting like fourth this season and then dropping off back down to like eighth, ninth yeah. for the next day. I mean, you've got to maintain the momentum. Where do you sit with the sentiment value of it? Because to progress into the next level, you have to be ruthless with certain players, yeah. don't you, who maybe can't can't really be there for the next step. I mean, I've heard a few Aston Villa fans talking about possibly, you know, John McGinn being replaced in the future. But I don't, I don't know. We saw that as, as, a, as a Wolf supporter myself, though, when eventually we had to move away from Conor Cody. Yeah, and obviously we never really kicked on after that until recently. But well, you're talking a sentiment factor. Yeah. Mings has been f- there for us through, through yeah. thick and thin in the championship and coming back into the prem. I still rate Mings, and know there's many people out there that think he's absolute shite. But um, <laughs> he's always got mistaken him. Yes, granted, I love the bloke, but I don't think he gets back into our starting eleven now when he comes back from injury. I don't. I really don't think he gets anywhere near, especially when Paul Torres is fully fit. It's the same same sort of thing, isn't it? You've got the left footed centre back, and Paul Torres absolutely trumps him for me. Trump, the quality difference is, is and I don't feel scared with Paul Torres at the back. Not to say I did. I mean, I, I'm a big, big advocate for Torres Mings. I've always stood by him, but um, but I think that's where you've got to look at the squad in general. Where do you think needs addressing to progress to that next level? I mean, Emery has proved even with the signing of Paul Torres and Diaby that you can attract big names. With it's Emery it's in so difficult. I think we need a right back. I don't think Cash cuts it for me in terms of. I think Cash is a good player. But I think he's the sort of right back you have when you're competing for Europa Conference. If you want to be pushing that top four like we are consistently and breaking it consistently, I don't think Cash is the right back for that. Yeah. Um, need a better winger for like two wingers. I mean, Bailey for me, he's come on leaps and bounds. This he's season. been the surprise of the season. Oh in yeah, the Premier League time. for me. As yeah, a, as an individual. Uh, Diaby needs to to crack crack his form again. He started off really well and he's just sort of ghosted now. I don't think he's been he playing won't. in a weird role, though, hasn't he? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's been an ideal circumstance for him. I think he's been he's been quite hard done by as well because he was bad against Newcastle, but I think that is also owed to the fact we were pinging aerial balls against him and expecting him to win him against Dan Byrne, who's got a foot and a half on him. Do you know what I mean? He's yeah. never going to win in that aerial mm. duel ever, and he didn't have a great game, though. But there was obviously factors we were we weren't good as a unit. 
Um, I think, I don't know, I think the midfield sound, unless you could definitely bring me in a proven midfielder who's going to be like... I don't know. Like Who is going to take you to the for next For example, level. like your calibre of Casemiro. If you say, bring Casemiro, you know, say, yeah, get rid of any of them. Like that sort of calibre of yeah. player. Other than that, I don't think there's... I can't think of many players that I'd replace. The likes of John McGinn and... Doug, at least for, for now. Yeah. Um, while they're playing the way they are. And Douglas Louise has been one of the players of the season for me and his improvement under Emery has been unbelievable to watch, I think. I know it's quite controversial as well based on the form he's on, but... I still think you could probably improve the striker position with Watkins. Watkins is a strange centre forward though, isn't he? Yeah. Because he'll he scores some brilliant goals where it's yeah. but he misses equally. He misses equally as vital chances, and it's mm. lucky that we are because if you'd have gone back a few seasons and we only had one goal scorer, luckily now the goals can come from most positions for us anyway. When yeah. you look at Moreno getting on the score sheet and stuff in the last like. Well, I think he's netted twice. I know it's not a lot, but like what I'm saying is you can have multiple players score for us now. Um, but there's some games where he misses them chances and, and it costs it it can cost us, especially when you've got teams like, say when we come up against Liverpool at the return fixture, when, when they're at Villa Park, they're a team. If you don't take your chances earlier on, they, punish they you, will punish they? you yeah. big time. We found that out and we lost to them in September, I think, when, yeah, September it was, yeah. when we were one up for... The vast majority of the game, and then happened to us the other season. We were yeah. one 0 up, and then they scored in the 88th and 92nd yeah, minute. They just do it. Beat, they? Yeah, these top sides do. And yeah. That is the difference. But the thing is, though, it, again, it's got to be that sort of player that you need to be proven bringing in. Like, for example, the only sort of player I reckon I'd probably like Tony. I don't think he'd be bad to have up top instead. Um, Would he go to Villa though? Is the that's, no, I know he wouldn't, but I'm saying that, that sort of player. That it's got to be yeah. a proven. They will bag you goals. They will be better because I mean, he's what I know. I know Darwin Nunes has done it across all competitions but Watkins is the first player of the season to get 10 goals and 10 assists in the Prem and mm. I find that mad you can't really you can't really fault him when he's, di- when he's pumping out when those sort of numbers well. can you he is a very I wouldn't say inconsistent or hit Hot and miss cold. but he's very much um, when he scores he'll score a hat-trick when he yeah. he'll go and score two or three yeah. in the same game but then the week after when he'll spurn chances from six, seven, eight yards he'll out ghost and that's and the it, problem you've got but I do love that he is very much an in- instinctive striker in the sense of he seems to score the same goal week in, week yeah, out, yeah, doesn't 100%. he? Yeah, Left that's, foot. That's what he's good for, though. And he does the job that he needs to do and he has he has his purple patches where he might go missing from a game. But I think, personally, when he does go missing from a game, it's when the whole team goes missing from a game. Yeah. But then you need a player that's going to pull you something out of nothing, don't you, sometimes? I mean, centre-forwards rely on service. Yeah. But is Ollie Watkins the player who can rely on Getting one or two chances I a game. St- I still think at the that, next level. I still think that our fan base is very reactionary, and it really winds me up. Mm. When I sit there after a game, and I might go on Twitter to have a look what people are saying, or the Instagram comment section and stuff, you just get absolute brain dead idiots that are ungrateful and entitled. Now we've now we've gone on a big winning streak, and we're up there. They expect to win every game, and then I think the fans then lose respect for the opponents, like with Newcastle. Newcastle are a good side. Yes, we're 13 points ahead of them, but you can't go into that game and go, right, we should be trumping these here. You can't do it. And our fan base is too reactionary now where you'll have one bad game and they're like, right, get rid of the old squad. Watkins is crap. <laughs> get someone in. Diaby needs to be cut from the team. Cash doesn't... Moreno, crap, crap, crap. And it's just... It, it's so infuriating to watch as a fan that has been there when we won three games all season and got relegated, when we were finishing 13th or whatever in the championship. and it, it, You just need to be a bit more grateful for well, the position we're in. Do you not think it comes with the territory, though, of being a side who wants to go to the next level to expect more? Yeah, but I don't think... Like I said, I think we're overachieving at the minute. Last season, we finished 7th and we got Europa Conference League. So when, when this season come around and someone went to me, what are your aims for this season? Like, where would you want Villa to finish? I'd said 6th and win the Europa Conference League. One position yeah. up, it's improvement. To be 4th at this stage of the season, 20, with 15 games left to me... And, and not 4th in a lucky sense where you no. just, you know, you look like you're going to tail off. It's been a 4th where you Again, I don't convincing. want to sound biased and be like... But people aren't sat there being being like... I mean, they are to a sense because it's like, how have they got this good all of a sudden? But like, people aren't sat there being like, how the hell are they in fourth based on our performances? Because we yeah, have yeah. been convincing. You look at games like the Man City game. That was one of the best games of the season for me when you it, beat Man City. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Again, not from a boy's point of view, but that I've never seen a team handle Pep's team like that, really. You know the game where they're not that good, but we're at 
absolutely demoralised. And I don't think they had a shot, did they, really? Or what, they had, like, two shots all yeah, game. Were. It was that Harlan double that Martinez saved them. Oh, yeah, they didn't have a it. shot for, like, 60 mm. minutes after that. And it's absolutely mad to see. But I think it's more of a maintenance thing now. We need to maybe finish fourth this season. Champions League could be amazing. And then you've just got well, to keep the standard. Fifth place could be enough for Champions League next season. So With a new format, yeah. You, you never know. Manchester United... Are they turning things around? I mean, I, I was, hope not because we've got them next week. Oh, yeah, you have got <laughs> yeah. them soon, haven't you? I was there on Thursday night and when they completely broke my heart um, yeah. when they beat us 4 3. They did it to us, didn't they, as well on Boxing Day? Yeah, they did, yeah. Um, but I must admit, when I watched them on Thursday, that was the best that I'd seen them play all season in terms of the, re- the impetus from midfield, the drive with the ball, and they looked really confident in and around the box, which is something I. I haven't been able to say all I think, season. I think Hoyland's starting to find his feet as well. He's got, what is it, four goals and two assists in the last yeah. four games. Now and he's that starting comes from service. Destroyed. It comes from service, confidence. I mean, I've always loved Rasmus Hoyland and I, I think he's a fantastic number nine. But on Thursday, I haven't seen them been that clinical in a long time. And it's rare that when teams come to Molyneux that I just feel that every time that they go forward, they're going to score. And granted, we were very poor defensively probably the worst defensive performance I've seen since Bruno Large was in charge to be honest I still think though with games like that it's only like when we played Sheffield the other day I think although the team that you're facing is crap the team that like from a United's perspective you still need to be clinical do you know what I mean because like for example um, you scored two brought it back it's 3-3 do you know what I mean if you don't take your chances and you don't cut them out of the game then exactly. there's always the, there's always the chance for a comeback yeah. no matter how much you're dominating them Cobby Moynou I think he's a brilliant young player yeah. and his goal I still think what what on earth was our defence doing in not just yeah, nobody bit, wiping him out it was a bit questionable with the following the players and stuff as well yeah. wasn't it, and it somebody again, should have just took him out but but that doesn't take anything away from the goal either no, because it was an excellent finish not. and an excellent bit of skill as well at that age and that confidence, confidence. to do that yeah. in the last minute of a game yeah. all props to him and yesterday against West Ham it's this could be where their season does turn around because it is a case of getting these results in, convincing results as well. You've just had a last-minute winner and you've just beat a side who are in sixth, 3-0. And Hoyland getting on the score sheet again with a fantastic goal, Garnacho scoring two. Obviously, the first one, very thankful to a deflection. Yeah. But seeing your young players play well, Bruno Fernandes is back in somewhat form. Still think this is partly our fault for letting them come back. Because I feel yeah. like I feel like when you when you give a when a team goes back from two 0 down and wins, it, it kind of gives me a bit of momentum. Do you know what I mean? And they they they've got the belief then. They're like, well, we've been two oh, yeah. 0 down against Villa. Not not to say that we're some formidable force, but you, no, we've been two 0 down. We've come back and won three two. It's a morale thing, yeah. definitely. Especially with players like Manu, I think because they've got a lot of individual personalities. Do you, know, do, you know, do you know what I mean? Like a lot of people that are like, mm-hmm. think that they're owed the position they are, um, that they're in even. But I, think, I think they've come through the tough period now though with the Jaden Sancho situation is 99% resolved. Whether he comes back in the summer is a different story. The, Ineos, the Ineos deal has been sorted. You're getting players like Lissandro Martinez who is a world-class centre-back who's come back into the there, side. It's, it's one of them with him where he's really struggled to get that momentum in the starting 11 this, this Thankfully season. Thankfully, he's injured right before we play him. Because mm, I think that will help us out massively. Because I hate to say it because I really don't like the bloke at all. You don't but like Lissandra? No. Oh, I love him. I think he's an absolute arsehole. Why? I hate when they'll go, oh, he's the butcher, the butcher. <laughs> and I really, I really just, I can't stand him. I think he's, when he come to, when the last time I seen them play at Villa Park, and he was giving it all the elbows and like, throwing people around and stuff. And I was thinking, just, just what I just don't like him. That's, that, that was my thought. Genuinely, my thought was just please, just fuck off. It's something to have for Argentina, though, isn't it? Him and Christian Romero at the back together. I, I can't, I can't stand the bloke. I can't stand Romero either. And I, you know what I hate though? I hate that they're good, and they've got the personality yeah, they yeah. do. I hate that they can go and be an absolute idiot on the pitch and nail someone. And then just go and perform a masterclass. It's yeah. more infuriating. It, it's it, it's one of them players that I think. I always used to think Diogo Jota was like this for Wolves, that you love him when he's in your team. Yeah, yeah, he's not Grealish for us. Yeah, you despise him when he's yeah. against you. You're really one of those players that he just yeah. gets in your head, doesn't he, even as a supporter? But it makes it ten times worse that they've got the, the ability. ability to back it yeah. up. It's like players like, for example, Mopay, right? He's a little horrible terror. <laughs> 
and he hasn't got the ability to back it up. He's but, still a good centre forward. Yeah, but I just don't think he, he's just one of them players that you think you can. <laughs> he's in the position where you can you can take the mick out of him because at the end of the day you're probably going to beat whoever he's playing for when he's knocking around all these lower league like lower position clubs and stuff. You can banter him when he scores though. It's the worst thing in the world. As Spurs, you, I know Spurs did end up winning, but have you ever seen the video on Arsenal fan TV when um, Burnt Leno got injured? with the first game back from lockdown when Mopay scored in the 90th minute and Ty from Arsenal Fan TV is going mad at Neil Mopay I probably have but it's Definitely valid seen it. it's valid because I can't stand Mopay <laughs> I've always hated him he injured Burnt Leno didn't he and then obviously scored the winner that's what bit of a butterfly effect really because that's why Emi Martinez is now at Aston Villa mm. and a World Cup winner thank you Mopay I I that what I just said then yeah exactly we are, yeah. <laughs> so about Manchester United I think yeah. they're really looking as if they can possibly turn things around maybe I get that, into the race well, for top four. at the start of the season I'd have probably had them to finish like 7th or 8th because they just I don't know after just, the instant run at the start of the season when they lost well they beat us somehow I just thought they'd game. be like 6 teams that would have performed more consistently and better than them this season but now at this point in the season I don't know I've, I reckon they could finish 5th or 6th I, I mean I had them in my top 4 did you? at the start of the season I think I said last season about the issues they needed to address and they didn't really do it properly, but those were issues that needed to be addressed to push towards a title challenge, not to fight for top four. The signing of Mason Mount, still to this day, I still don't really 100% get. I don't think they addressed in the right areas in the summer. Whether they never do, though. No, they never they do. They never do. They always buy what's, Style what's hot. Yeah, they don't, they don't buy. The teams that do well buy players that they need. Like, do you know Liverpool what I mean? this season they buy, they buy the players side. to fill the gaps they need and, and, and what's going to elevate them United kind of go he's quite popular at the minute and he's got a bit of talent about him we'll just have him do you know what I mean that's, mm. that's the sort of signing they make speaking of the number one side that are very guilty of that Chelsea yeah. lost 4-2 to us yesterday and oh my god they were abs- they've been playing quite well at home recently but yesterday, my God, they were dismal against I, us. I, the thing is, though, it's been it's been 23 games now, so I don't know if this excuse really worked. I don't want to make an excuse for them because they are still poor. But when you buy that many new players, stick them all in your starting eleven, you can't expect them to just gel off the bat. I know you can to an extent because they're professionals and they should they should sort of climatise, but they've got no sort of feel for the for their team. Do you know what I mean? But it's, for me, it's not even just that. There's just been Pochettino this season has fluctuated in terms of his setup. Enzo Fernandez, I spoke about him the other week on the podcast, who is one of the best number eights and first and second phase midfielders in the world. And they've got him practically playing as a number 10 or a second striker. I don't think they know how they want to play themselves. That's a problem for a team. No. They haven't got a person that, like an identity, have they? And they looked much better the other night against Liverpool when Nkunku come off the bench. And if you can say coulda, woulda, shoulda, how would they have been if he if he was been fit all season? I do like Cole Palmer as well. I do, without I do. Cole Palmer, where would they be? I do, I do like Cole Palmer. Like, I'd have him at the Villa 100%. I just... I mean, all credit to us yesterday, because um, you can only beat what's in front of you. Yeah. It was great to see a Wolves team yet again. We react well. In years gone by, we would have lost that game by three or four goals, because mm. when we, in the past, under Lopetegui, particularly last year, after going a goal down, our heads used to drop. This season, we're 1-0 down, and within three minutes, we was back to 1-1. Yeah. Mateus Cunha, unbelievable. Uh, he's he's been a difference for you, as he has yeah, he's been a difference for you, hasn't he, recently, really? I mean, we'd, we've scored, I think it's 37 hmm. this season. Is it 37 in the Premier League? Or, there's a stat anyway that we'd, we'd scored 30-something all season in the Premier League last campaign. And we're already like three goals away from that. Well, what you've been, for me, from, from an outside perspective, what you've been missing since Raul Jimenez. Was a goal and, scorer. Yeah, was a goal scorer. You didn't have someone that's going to score week in, week for week out for you. And obviously now you brought in Huang, who's scored how many goals, and you've got Cunha, who's scored how many goals. And it's like you've kind of addressed that problem in the correct way. But that, that's the thing, because I know that supporters were still calling for a number nine in January. Understandably so, because Kalajic and Silva have both gone out on loan. But Gary O'Neill said it himself, it's about getting the right person. It's not just about getting a number nine. Panic buying's a problem, isn't it, mm. really? It's why I wouldn't have gone near Armando Breuer with a barge pole. To be honest, after the loan fees that Chelsea were, we were linked to him as well yeah. for some reason. I don't. Know. I swear I've seen something saying they're asking for like fifty million for in the him summer. Yeah, summer. yeah. the no the initial on deadline day, the panic was that Fulham, no, Chelsea, sorry, wanted a five million pound loan fee, 
bearing in mind if we're to purchase Tommy Doyle in the summer it'll be four million permanently from Manchester City so why would we pay five million for a striker mm. that isn't guaranteed to score mm-hmm. isn't guaranteed game time with the way that we're currently playing in the forward areas because it's nonsense our goals it. come from everywhere it's not so much about getting number nine in like when Jimenez was there it's about the fact that we get Huang back soon from the Asian Cup who's in the semi-finals now and all, all the best to him I did want them to get knocked out early to be honest <laughs> but um, now they're in the semis I wish him luck you know we've got Cunha who's really fit and firing at the minute confident if something as well to him, yeah. confident I mean it still makes me laugh to go back to the old tweets from last season about us overpaying for him and the fact that he was a flop compared to Morgan Gibbs White and Nottingham Forest but that's Twitter isn't it we can talk about the idiots on there all day oh yeah don't get me started on that but no it was great to see us again just come back and really we go into every game at the minute thinking we can get something and that's something that I can't say from a Wolf supporters point of view since the Nuno years to be honest of going into a game thinking that we really could get something today and we beat a poor Chelsea side that can't be ignored but you can only beat what's in front of you Chelsea do you think Pochettino's course is up or who are they going to bring in though they're just back to square one again, aren't they? This is the problem you've got, is that, and it's, it's what a lot of big clubs are falling victim to is the constant bringing in and out of, of managers. You haven't, you're not giving them time. To, I know he's had twenty like a, a lot of time, but I think it, it's one of them where people nowadays have stopped trusting the process. I'm not saying there is a process because I haven't really seen any progression from them really, but. Mm. Um, I guess that's what people want, though. They want improvement. But you look at when, like, for the first two seasons, all the Arsenal fans were calling for Arteta's head. Because, but then he's been given time. I just don't know to what degree are they Pochi signings or are they tell Bowley's, I want that. I think, yeah, you've got to look at that, haven't you? But for me, I don't think the Pochettino experiment was ever going to work with his Tottenham links. It was always going to be one of them where supporters will instantly fall out with him if it doesn't go well, which it hasn't gone well at all. So a lot of people asking to get Jose Mourinho back now he's been sat from Roma. Oh yeah, I could. One one last... Uh, I'd love to see him back in the Prem Awards. Yeah, one last tour. Yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd personally like to see it. It'd be amazing if he come back and won the league with him as well. <laughs> Imagine That'd that. That'd be absolutely unbelievable. After he's been to Manchester United and Tottenham since then as well. Yeah. Um, speaking of where Mourinho's just been sacked from, over in Italy, Derby d'Italia yesterday, probably the most important iteration of this fixture in a long, long time. Inter beating Juve 1-0. Really looking a class above at the minute, aren't they? Yeah, I think they were quite wasteful as well. There's quite a few chances mm. they could have easily notched up some goals yeah. against them. Like clean-cut chances as well, where they've just scuffed the shot and everything. Yeah. I mean, Inzaghi's men, uh, they have moved four points clear at the top, but they do have a game in hand as well over the Bianconeri Juventus. So there's all the potential there for there to be a seven point gap come a few weeks time when their extra fixture from their Super Copper antics when did they last win the league oh Inter yeah the um, 2021 yeah under Conte yeah Conte won it that year with Inter then Milan the year after then Napoli last year Juve haven't won the league since 2020 2020 yeah under Sarri when Ronaldo left no Ronaldo left the summer after because it, Ronaldo stayed an extra year with Andrea Pirlo's awful year with Juventus. <laughs> um, another one of those managerial appointments of the time when clubs just thought it was the best idea to go for a club legend, didn't they? Yeah. It's when Lampard was at Chelsea. It doesn't always come off, does it really? No. I mean, Daniele De Rossi's at Roma now. And they're, uh, they've won three out of three. Three on this spin. But no, I thought Juventus really struggled to get their key players involved last night. Kenan Yildiz, who's been superb, who hadn't even made his Serie A debut since the last time the club's played in November. And he's come in and been an instant impact. But they really struggled to get him involved. And Dusan Vlaovic should have put the visitors up in the first half, really. His poor first touch in front of goal. Unusual for him, especially with the form he's been in. And then as Inter have proved so many times this season, as you mentioned earlier about top sides, they will punish you. And do you think that in general is just the sign of potential champions? Yeah, yeah, 100%. But I also think in that game, Juventus will be very disappointed they didn't capitalise on them being not that good in front of goal. Because like I said, they had so many mm. chances where they could. They were clean-cut chances as well and they just scuffed their shot or, what, or whatnot. So 
I think looking back, Juventus would be very disappointed in themselves that they, they didn't manage to get a foothold in the game and, and, and punish the lack of clinicalness in front of goal. The thing is with this Juve side is that they, there's a, a benchmark to really base themselves upon by copying Inter mm. in terms of tactically and in terms of the side that is there at Inter. They're so in tune with one another. Players like Hakan Shalanoglu yesterday, who was my man of the match, and I think for so many people the way that he's reinvented himself at the base of midfield. Henry Mkhitaryan's been fantastic. And if Juve are to let go of Allegri and possibly move for Thiago Motta or Italiano if he leaves Fiorentina, the future is looking really bright with the base of youngsters they have. I mean, Yildizu I mentioned. Matthias Soule, who's currently on loan at, Flo- at Frosinone, sorry. You look at your Rovellas, your Moretti's, your Fagioli's when he comes back from his suspension. There's such a great group of youngsters there. But as they've proved in the past, it's about getting the right person in. They can't make another Pirlo-esque appointment. They have to make the right the right one, as Napoli didn't do in the summer, by getting Rudy Garcia, and that's why they've been abysmal this season. I can't see even Napoli, to be honest, getting in and around the top four race. What are your thoughts on that this Juventus side as a whole, under Allegri? I just think that there's, there's a level between them and Inter, do you know what I mean? Like I think there's, there's such a there's such a gap, like you say, that they've done really well to go punch for punch with them. They have, but for I as just long don't, as they have, I, I don't think they've got the the cardio for it. Not in a literal sense, like the players are falling. Like, mm. But I want to make like that they haven't got the gas. Is to it go over the course? Yeah, of the season, yeah, yeah, yeah. They haven't they haven't got the gas to go the full length because of the season. That's the to. thing. Inter are Champions League finalists from last year, and one of the favourites to have another deep run in this competition. This side has been progressing so nicely under Inzaghi for a number of years now. So I think for me, I had them as champions, you know, before the season before the season started. Sorry, but Juventus have done fantastic for me to keep really much in touch with them. And before last week's draw against Empoli, I said that this game would be whoever wins this wins the title. And I think yesterday, into bridging that gap now, and really, as I say, it's four points, possibly will be seven very soon. I think it's not so much over. But a massive, massive result for them. Elsewhere in the league, Fiorentina's collapse away at Lecce could be the game to really put their Champions League hopes up in flames. And as Harrison was saying about Aston Villa earlier, it's these results that they really can impact your season, can't they? If just one result can really knock the confidence and really just end the run of form. Oh yeah, 100%. It's demoralising, isn't it? Mm. Uh, And there's, there's a lot of... I mean, this is a very wild comparison, but they were good anyway. But with Leicester, when they won the league, one of the first games in the season was when we were turning up against them and they come back in the last five minutes and they won 3-2. And I genuinely believe games like that, when a team does that mm. sort of thing, gives them the belief to be like, well, we've done it once, why can't we do it again? Oh, yeah, definitely. And for Laviola anyway, they were their supporters haven't been happy with the January business, especially with the form they were in in the first half of the season. To re- they've added Andrea Bellotti on loan, but it doesn't really push to that next level. And that is the problem when you're looking at this side and Nico Gonzalez has been in and out in terms of form this season and injuries. They're riddled with injuries and suspensions at the moment. There's been rumours about Giacomo Bonaventura's future. And you can't just rely on Andrea Bellotti coming in after they never replaced Luka Jovic last summer after moving to Milan. And it's showing, it really is, and... Italiano's been taking some stick, understandably. But at the same time, a lot of the onus has to go on the club and the failure to recruit and the failure to really back up a Conference League final last season. Immense start to this season. And for one of Italy's big clubs, it's, I don't want to say unacceptable, but when you're in these positions, you've got to capitalise. And and as we saw with Atalanta in the summer, recruiting Charles de Ketelari, recruiting Scamacca and... That showed yesterday, Harrison actually wearing his Lazio top today, um, dispatching of Lazio by three goals to one. And they were practically perfect. De Ketelara, I mentioned last week, has been one of my signings of the summer of last year. Skamaka has been in and out with injury. But you really can see a difference in quality. And when comparing them to your Fiorentinas, who really are dropping off. But there is only seven points between Atalanta in fourth and then as far down as Torino in tenth. It's anyone's game. And I think... Samuel Adrici last week did an interview with Syria themselves actually about Torino's hopes to possibly get into Europe. 
top four might be a bit of a stretch. I don't see why but, sixth place is out, out of the question, though, with that point gap. They maintain the form. No. I think I think it flies quite under the radar how competitive the, the, the Serie A is in terms of that congestion. It only flies under the radar. If you don't really know <laughs> Me, personally. <laughs> yeah, Harrison's not exactly... He, he watches it whenever I tell him to. <laughs> Hence why he's wearing a Lazio shirt today. But, um, no, it's, a for me, the most intriguing little race in Europe, to be honest, this little... Uh, gap. I, know, I know there's a bit of a gap between Milan in third and then Atalanta in fourth, but it's anyone's game. And if I was to bet on it now, I would say Atalanta, who would be to finish fourth. I think this is the best iteration of Gasparini's side since the sort of 2019-20 era when they got to the Champions League quarterfinals. But they've recruited really well. They've got, obviously, the, the work didn't, been done at the stadium. They're in a really good place at the minute. And I just don't see any club in and around that. Napoli have really faltered this season and flattered to deceive most weeks. Roma without Paolo Di Ballera, as I've said before, abysmal. Tommaso Baldanzi, it's a, a great young signing, but I don't see him adding that instant impact. Lazio, yet again, have been really hit and miss. Bologna, Harrison keeps using the, the phrase of not having the, the legs. I don't think they do have the legs over the course of the season. And then in and around that, as I say, Fiorentina have really, really tailed off since January. And then Torino, I just think, as much as I like Ivan Juric, and I think their midfield is one of the best in the in the division, I don't see them having the legs to really push on towards the top four. On the, on the topic of, uh, of of European football, do you think um, with Leverkusen that if they don't win the league, then they've let themselves down in a sense, or? You know, with this run of form they've mm. got going. Like, it, for them now, if they choke, obviously they've got two very hard... In, in the same week, they've got Stuttgart in third tomorrow. And, and they've got Boy in the weekend as well, which this is massive for them. It is, it is. And with I've, Leverkusen, there's, I don't think they're letting themselves down if they weren't to win the title. Because I've said before that being chased by Bayern Munich is possibly the scariest sight in football. Well, that two-point gap is, is terrifying. If I, mm. if I was a Leverkusen fan, I would not be... Looking forward to Saturday's game. Or anything in general. Every game, I'd be terrified. Mm. Every single game. Until you've got a sort of point cushion, which if they... I, genuinely, I, know, it, I know it probably goes without saying, unless they, they have some sort of implosion in self-inflicted damage, that if they do a number on Bayern this weekend, the league's theirs. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Unless there's yeah. some sort of catastrophe where they end up losing some stupid games that they should be winning. I mean, I said to Ben though, the other week that it, it's a case of... They're winning games and looking like champions. That is the thing because mm. the, the game at RB Leipzig when they won late on 3-2, the game at, at um, Augsburg the week before when they won 1-0 in the 94th minute, they're winning these games and they got a result away at Bayern back in September. That result says enough for me that these can match them on their day as well. Bayern are like Manchester City where we've said before they can just go on these amazing runs and go and pick the team to the title. But Bayern have not faced a tougher side in a t any title race for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. Borussia Dortmund never offered this level of threat. Borussia Dortmund's title challenges have mostly come out of the fact of Bayern dropping points. Yeah. Not Borussia Dortmund <laughs> being exceptional. So what are your thoughts? On? Do you just believe that it's a case of beat Bayern this weekend and... I don't see why it's not. Do you know what I mean? Like you've got they, if they if they win this game, so that, well obviously that's provided they have to beat Stuttgart first tomorrow and Bayern don't like mm. if Bayern win, obviously it puts the pressure on them. They they have to win to keep the point gap. But I think if if they were to beat Stuttgart and it goes into Saturday's game with the same point tally with two between them and they get that five point cushion, I really don't see based on like what you said. They're playing like champions. They're not showing mm. games where they're like. They've got a soft belly underneath that can be exposed. It's the case of, no, we're winning this game every single time. Yeah. And I really don't see why they couldn't go the whole way. Well, that's the thing. They haven't lost the game in Bundesliga this campaign. Well, do you think um, that if... Say say they do go undefeated, win the league, all this sort of thing. Obviously, Klopp leaves Liverpool. Do you think Alonso goes to the Liverpool job? Or do you reckon he sticks it out? Or vice versa, if... Uh, Leverkusen don't stick it out and Bayern win the league does he still think no I've had a really good season here. I've only lost one game and it was against the champions the whole season or does he jump ship and go Liverpool I think 
It's the logical thing for Liverpool to do is go for Chabi Alonso. Well, he didn't directly say <laughs> no. 100%. I seen I seen a um, a thing on, on Twitter saying that obviously directly after the news broke of Klopp, one of the journalists asked. Um, oh, it was the first thing that he was asked. Yeah, they went yeah. Deep, and he said, "I don't want. To, I, I'm not looking at that right now. I'm focusing on the league, which is obviously a very fair thing to say. But obviously, mm. he hasn't directly ruled it out that he would leave. Yeah. Because obviously, he could he could have turned around and gone, "No, I'm staying with them no matter what." I think with Leverkusen now is that they're building themselves to be a force in the future as well. I mean, they're mm-hmm. one of the favourites to win the Europa League this season. They are the outright favourites to win the DFB Pokal with Bayern Munich being out. They, as I say, they're just playing like champions at the minute. And if they carry this on, even if Alonso does leave, there's all the potential that somebody else could come in and Bayer Leverkusen could be the de facto second team in Germany behind Bayern. Yeah. Obviously, they want more than that. Every team wants more than that. But competing with Bayern Munich over a multi-year period... It's a testament to itself, isn't it, really, that mm. is? Because it's not just this season. I mean, Alonso came in last season when Leverkusen was sitting right down the bottom of the table. And he had them playing scintillating stuff to then, in the summer, be able to convince Granit Xhaka to leave Arsenal. Bringing in Alex Grimaldo on a free. The signing of Victor Boniface. They, they really are progressing to the next level. And can they build on that? They're still a big club and they will attract big names. Mm-hmm. Germany's a bit more difficult to sign players in terms of a lot of big name players won't really want to move to Germany unless it's Bayern. Yeah. But at the same time... That could change in the future. Yeah, You've got to think, as a sort of selling point, you're a player and you're going to leave a club, you want to go somewhere big and you can go to a team that may just win the Bundesliga, beat Bayern to the Bundesliga, perhaps then obviously win their version their their cup and then also to go and win the Europa cup. League yeah well you know, <laughs> you know what I mean um, and then the Europa League it's a selling point for them they go right I can go and play under this new new prospect manager he's just got undefeated won three trophies in a season I think that's a selling point in itself it depends on the calibre of a player but if you're like I don't know one of them players that want to I guess a rise in their career and they've got the potential I don't think they'd turn it down mm. at all 100%. So to end the episode this week, as we've had done before, we're going to do one of our little joint team efforts. This is one that Ben did actually suggest for us this week because he told us yesterday that he wouldn't be able to come today, leaving me and Harrison on our own. So <laughs> we were set the task of creating our best 11 that are all under 23. But we are, in the sense that it's under 23, not 23. Yeah, they we can't be 23. When, when, when there's no Haaland in this list, I don't want people I was to gonna be say. there being like, oh, why is it Haaland there? Because he's 23 years old I and think, under 23. I think that's why the requirements were set as this, so we wouldn't just have the easy route of going early in Haaland. Yeah. So I'll let you start off. How, how do you want to do this? Are we going to do both? I'm going to say my whole team, and then you say your whole team, or do you want to do oh, we'll position, do position by position? By position. Um, in goal, I've gone uh, the little keeper, Chavalier. Have you? Yes. I haven't watched enough of him to really make a um, well, you, big decision. You look at the honest. last few games, he's got three clean sheets mm. on the bounce of him now. So. Picking goalkeeper under 23 keepers is so difficult because... How many, the, under, twi- how many under 23 keepers mm. start for their team now as well and have it long? Yeah. Good, do you know what I mean? And then all of the ones that... The one that went straight to my mind was Diogo Costa, but turns out he's 24. <laughs> you know, he's... All these things. I went for, in the end, uh, Martin van der Voort. Mm. Recent Herbe uh, Leipzig signing. Somebody who's, yet again, I haven't watched too much of. But I know quite a bit of a, a bit about him in the sense that, you know, he's a brilliant young, go- young goalkeeper from Belgium. Really tipped to be the next big thing in terms of in between the sticks for the national team yeah. in the future. I think we're just a toss of a coin between these two, aren't we? Because as I say... Trying to pick an under twenty three goalkeeper. I looked at James Trafford. Same, but I just don't think you can you can justify put a keeper it. in there that's currently sat nineteenth in mm. with it with quite a hefty goal difference. And he has been very poor this season yeah. at times. Obviously, he was great last season, but you, and in the the uh, under twenty three. It's one of them. Well, it'll it? be interesting to see if he if he develops or if he just has that one good season with Burnley in the championship. That's his mm. standard. Then do you know what I mean? It's whether yeah. he can break the mould and then be a good Premier League keeper as well. So, just flip of a coin. I'll let you have this one as the guest. Are we going to go um, position by position for the back as well? Or do you want me to just list up my whole four? Uh, we normally do position by position, yeah. So, I've got oh, Tino Livramento at right back. I've got Udogi. What, at right back? Yep. The left back? Yep. 
<laughs> have you just made a back four then? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you're telling me you could have four fullbacks in here? Do you know what's the worst part? I, I thought that he was a right back. <laughs> <laughs> you idiot. Yeah. If, yeah. Okay, well, bit of inverted fullbacks here on the Eurofocus podcast. Um, I've got Liveramento. Yeah. Giorgio Scalvini. I think that you, you're, you're going to win this one purely for the fact that I actually haven't got a left back in, I mean, a right back in my team. What is your back four? Just give me the whole back four. Um, well, originally I put, because um, when I was trying to make it work, I mean, peop- I've got Camavinga at left back. <laughs> he plays left back. I know people, people obviously make comments about he could play anywhere on the pitch, didn't they, and everything, but he, he's a left back. Ahead of Alex Baldame. Yeah. In Barcelona, really? I, I, I've put, in brackets, honourable mention, Balde. But I've but put, s- put Camavinga at left back. I can't... I... He's a plur. <laughs> Don't ever say that ever again on this podcast. I've got no justification for it. I just... I, I okay. like... I like. Can you redeem yourself with your centre-backs? Saliba and Colwell. Okay, I'll take that. How old's Saliba? Uh, 22. Surprise me, because he looks older. I thought he was 23, to be honest. I thought he was like 25. Well, that's my... My God, we've really balls this up, haven't we? Because my two centre-halves are not anywhere near as good as Saliba. Well, I've gone Scalvini and uh, Piero and Capio from Leverkusen. You did think he was 23, though, so that's obviously... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He was in, he was in contention, but he just you didn't had fit Colwell. the criteria. Yes. Well... I, I, think he, I think he's very exciting. Well, yeah, I do love Saliba. And I think Colwell is a great defender as well. But how are we going to set up this back four, then? Are we having Liveramento? Because I feel like your lack of right oh, yeah, back yeah, means yeah, that we have to have Yeah, him. you've got it really, ain't you? Um, Scalvini on Capio, Saliba. Who are we having out of them three? I, I, I don't think that Colwell's on the, the level of the other two. No, I don't either, but um, Saliba's definitely in Saliba's there. in, yeah. It's going to be your pick, isn't it? And I'd go Scalvini and then... There you go. I could possibly let you have Camavinga at the back if you wanted to. <laughs> I get I get that Baldi's been good, but... He's, he's just great and he's a versatile player. Okay. I'll let, being as he's not in my midfield, I'll let you have Camavinga. Uh, he was, if it helps, he was in my midfield originally. Was he? But I, I've took him out. I for think the, the midfield is the very what, much Have you gone 4 4 2 or 4 3 3? 3 3. I've gone 3 3 as well. Yeah, I right, think then. it's just the sort of de facto. Yeah. Formation when for I say my midfield, then you might, you might be like, oh, okay, right then. Might be. Um, I've gone Musiala, Bellingham, and Gavi. Oh, really? Yeah. I've gone Bellingham, Pedri, hmm. and Warren Zaya Emery. Uh-huh. Well, originally... Because I've got, I'll tell you a spoiler now, I've got Musiala on the left because I just simply that, couldn't, yeah. I couldn't leave him out. Well, I've, um, well, I mean, you're going to shake your head at my forwards, to be fair. <laughs> but um, for I did originally have Camavinga in the, in the spot instead of um, Musiala, but I, I don't know, I just put him in there and... Okay. and then I just thought, why, why Gavi over Pedri, may I ask? Um, I've never really watched Pedri that much, to be honest. But you've watched more Gavi than Pedri? Yeah. How? I don't know. They play this in the same team? I know. <laughs> I, just don't, I don't think I really pay attention that much, to be fair, I'll be honest. This is what happens when Ben's not on, guys. <laughs> this is what happens. But anyway, Warren Zaire Emery from Paris Saint-Germain. All action. He's been fantastic in the Champions League. And to be doing it at his age... At 18. I can't say I've watched him domestically. I don't watch League, League One football. He means the league is in League One, not League One level football. Yeah, I just didn't put the twang on it. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I just just for anybody out there who's a bit more cultured than Harrison Scott, he's on about the French League, not League One. Yeah. Yeah, we've got Bellingham, who's in. Oh, yeah, without yeah. a doubt. Without yeah. a doubt, Bellingham. Yeah, I was going to say, that name's on there. As soon as you say under 23, 11, he's... And you had Musiala, but... To discuss that, we'll have to look at the forwards first yeah. to where we put Musiala in this team because we can't not include him. I'll let you go first, Ben. Is he, Harrison is sat here shaking his head at me, so I'm guessing there's some well, form of stinker I, here. I don't, it's not, I don't want to say there is stinker, but you'll probably just go there's better, maybe. Um, so for, for, for the right wing, I've, I have gone Saka. Yeah, same. But 
I want to give an honourable mention to Elise because he was my original thought until I realised mm. that Saka that Bokai Saka exists I, I yeah. yeah well I, knew he, I, I thought he was 23 so I didn't think he fit the criteria <laughs> so originally I was like right Elise that's and then I thought you know, thing, I'm going to double check whether Saka's actually under and he was so I put him in there it seems a, really easy at times Elise, to do yeah. this but then when you actually look at someone's age and you're like oh he's actually this age or he's actually under 23 I feel like when you when, when you sort of every year merges into one and before you know it plays like 25 so it's kind of hard to get especially when they've been on the scene for that long they feel older than yeah. they are as well I mean when I was I looking mean? at goalkeepers not that I rate him that highly but I just thought I'd check Gianluigi Donnarumma's age he's still only 24 he's been 24 for years yeah. he has well he's been like 19 for years hasn't he? <laughs> when they break onto the scene early you forget that actually because players yeah. like Sterling realistically you'd think he's like 34 yeah Thomas Muller still 33. I thought Chesney was like 37 yeah, until we, last night. We said that on the train today because um, <laughs> we were on about the intergame yesterday. And uh, voice check Chesney had quite a bit of involvement. <laughs> and Harrison just asked how old he was. And obviously he's not... How old is he? 33? 33, 33 I think yeah. he said then, yeah. Something like that. Sorry, we, we do like to go off on tangents on this podcast, as you, as you all know. But um, I think it's quite... It's a lot easier... Well, a lot more difficult than it seems, sorry, to make these sites because you just forget about people's age. And yeah, Chesney's 33. And you forget about players in general. I mean, t- I will be honest with you, with the Gavi and Pedri thing, I forgot Pedri existed. <laughs> I, will be, I will be very honest there. So, what's the rest of your forwards? Uh, Garnacho. Okay. And Hoyland. Yeah, I've got Saka, Hoyland, Musiala. Because that's... I just couldn't leave Musiala out, but like, he wouldn't fit him on midfield anyway. I like Garnacho a lot. And I, f- I, could fit, I could fit him in my midfield, having put Camavinga at left back. So what we saying? <laughs> so I prefer Garnacho on the right, though. If we're purely talking from a team sense that this team would win everything, you need Garnacho on the right. Oh, I didn't build this as a functioning team. I just sort of put it in the like, pound for pound. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I, I didn't really think of the chemistry and stuff like that. <laughs> it was more just a case. So yeah, he's good. It he's depends. It depends if we're team. willing to uh, overthink it or not. Yeah, it depends what the criteria is. I guess as a, as a functioning team, obviously you've definitely picked me, but. Um, You've put square pegs in round holes, but yeah. possibly a better individuals. Potentially, but obviously, if you're talking about an actual criteria, you've got players that aren't in the position to actually play. So, Saka, Hoyland, and who? Garnacho. Okay, well, that's the same as me, apart from Wissi. I like, like Garnacho a lot, I do. So, what we're saying is if we have Camavinga on the left back, we can then fit Musiala in the midfield. I still think it's, it's quite cruel to leave Baldi out. But then again, there's, when, when there's quite competition in in same positions, it's like I think Elise is amazing. I do. Yeah, I love him. He just needs to sort out. Again, his I, he's, he's a player I'd have at the Villa, providing you don't get teams like in the summer. I feel like you're going to have teams like United trying to trying to get get his uh, his name on a contract. But I, I I'd have him at the Villa in a heartbeat. I would. I think he's brilliant. Yeah, but I feel like because he exists and we don't want to get people giving us pelters, like you can't not put Saka in, can you? <laughs> Yeah. Even though I don't think he's been up to his usual standards recently. I don't want to say, look, I have people jumping on me back, but I also think he disappears sometimes when he's needed. I don't, I think that's more of an Arsenal issue than a Saka one, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, no, I hear that, but it, 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 it's a fact, unfortunately. <laughs> I think Martin Erdegaard's the worst for that. Yeah. I think like, they all have the moments. Mm. And then you've got Kai Havertz, who just, I forget he plays. Yeah, just, I mean, you know the one on one yesterday? Did anyone think that he was going to score? You know, no. for the for the first goal. I think he's absolutely dreadful. I'm I'm, I'm really struggling with Havertz. I think minute. he's one somebody of the most, who wants to love the man. I think he's one of the most questionable signings of the transfer window. I'd, uh... I mean, Roy Keane said yesterday about does anybody know his position yet? Because we keep saying nobody knows his position, but the bloke's getting every single year we hear this. Mm. When I think I think it's more not know what position he is, not know what position he actually works in. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I don't think he knows himself either. That's the problem, though. When you get a player like that that doesn't know where they play themselves, mm. they can't really form their, it's not their as identity. If the, it's not as if he's pl- doing a, playing a role in, a, in mm-hmm. different systems. It's not as if he's a number 10 who's been, you know, he's playing as a false nine. Because that's not the case. He's somebody that is just simply there at the moment. And that's... It's like he's there for morale, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> and when you, when you watch him, when I used to watch him years ago at Leverkusen, he was the archetypal, old-fashioned second striker. He drifted in and around the box, he got into the box, and that's why he scored so many goals, earning himself a move to Chelsea. And even at Chelsea, he did have some fantastic moments. He's, yeah, Arsenal, he has got undoubted on-the-ball on qualities. 
and his movement is top tier. But I don't see him as the future for this Arsenal team, to be honest. Oh, no, neither. I really don't. But I, just, I don't think he lives up to the standard that they're trying to... At the minute, anyway. At that next level, yeah. You don't know. I mean, you might find down the line he suddenly comes good, but it's how long you're willing to roll the dice on it, isn't it? It's like you say, right, mm. we give him another six months. If he doesn't, then we cut ties with yeah. him. Or it goes, right, he's going to be club fodder for the next 10 years. He won't really do anything, and he's just sort of there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. I mean, back to this team now, because we have yeah, um, a big tangent, a tangent. Florian Wirtz was an honourable mention, but I just think with the form of Musiala, and Musiala's pedigree at the top, top level is higher, surely, well, simply because of club status. And Musiala's done it more regularly for the national team. We will see in the next sort of six to, six to months, really, that whether Florian Wirtz is up to that for the national team in the Euros in the summer. But how, how many of your forwards or midfielders, I, don't, cause I, I feel like it's very rare defenders and goalies getting a mention. Would you reckon I'll get put in for Ballon d'Or shouts when obviously the. Hmm. Usual suspects sort of leave the picture. I think Bellingham's I, got. I don't care that he's blue nose. I love Bellingham. I do. Oh yeah, he's, he's so difficult not to, him. not to like. I believe. I mean, I mean, did you say out of my forwards and midfielders? Yeah, because I don't think defenders and goalies ever really get him mm. with a shout of it. They get honourable mentions, don't they? Like I, yeah. you come seventh in the ranking, but you're not really. Unlike the Val, uh, the Van Dyke year, how often do you really get a defender actually being like? I yeah, think who who can reach that standard of possibly mm. not just being nominated but winning it? Pedri is somebody who is the, on his day the best midfielder in the world currently, alongside Jude Bellingham, who will undoubtedly himself mm. get a shout to the Ballon d'Or. Musiala has every bit of talent to do so, and then Bukayo Saka, fifty-fifty, possibly. Depends if you get the English boys because they don't mm. really like to give English people nods, do they? Really, <laughs> they're, play, they're playing the Premier. Even I mean, obviously you've got the likes of Michael Owen that wouldn't. Yeah. But I'm talking like Bellingham's got a better chance because he plays for Real Madrid. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's a very political award nowadays. So I feel like if you're because I say like Saka played for Villa, there's no Villa players that are getting in that shout. Mm. Not that they deserve to, but I'm saying but like if, you, mean, if you yeah, had an amazing yeah. player play for it's a very political yeah. thing that you have to play for one of the biggest clubs to in be that in situation, there. Yeah. Do you, so, reckon, do you reckon Bellingham will be at Real for, for a long time? Or? Yeah, I think why? Because there's always this obsession with every top player that they have to play in the Premier League. And I don't really get that because, you know, just watch other leagues. You don't have to watch the, just the Premier League. But, I, think, um, I think it's how stubborn English people are, really. We all think that this is the best league in the world. And it, but I, I'd probably say it, it, I do agree is, with but it. But other I, clubs and other leagues exist. Yeah, and they still play in the Champions League and stuff. You can mm. still win. European trophies with the team. And he's at the biggest club in the world at Real Madrid. Exactly. Exactly. Um, this team then, are we having Musiala, Pedri, Bellingham, midfield three? Yeah. And then Saka and Hoyland are in. Hmm. Well, you've got to put Garnacho in there because you've put Musiala in midfield. I don't want Garnacho. Oh, then right, you put, 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 put Musiala on the wing and then have Gavi in midfield as well. With the look that Harrison's just given me, <laughs> that was a look of hatred. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like I'm being pedantic because that team would still... I'm convinced that if you put me in charge of that team, I would win everything. I, I think Garnacho's a, pl- a player, I do. <laughs> you nearly said that word again, didn't you? Clear. <laughs> no, I do really like him. I do really like Garnacho, but I just think if we're looking at the standard of some of these players, I don't think that he fits that yet. Maybe not, but I feel like he can. Mm, possibly. I feel like he shows flashes of brilliance, doesn't he, for United and stuff when he's needed. Oh, yeah, definitely. And he's still young. Wait, is he 19? Yeah, God. That, that's what annoys me now. I mean, we discussed it last week. We're getting to the age where football players are younger than us I now. I hate it. It makes me feel sick. I hate it. He's literally like, there's players that are like three, four years younger than me breaking on. Is that Newcastle? I can't remember the life, the na- his name for life for me. Who's that 17 year old they're playing at the Oh, league? Lewis Moyley. 17, he's four years younger than me. I did my GCSEs when he just came into high school, and I'm at that age now where he's considered a youngster. Wolves signing Noah Lamina last week, Mario's brother, and it's like, oh yeah, he's 18. <laughs> what Painful do you mean? Oh, just Nathan Fraser scoring as well against Brentford the other week. We're doing this under 23 11, and I'm nearly old enough to not qualify for it. That's how bad it is. <laughs> That's scary. It's like when, when I see certain players, I'm like, I still look at footballers as if they're like a lot older than me, but they're not. No, I'm the same age and older than a lot of them now, and I, I don't like it. I want to go back to being 14 again and just 
looking up to footballers as if they're gods. I, I agree. I agree. Well, we'll have to end that one there after this week yet again. You heard our different teams there. I'm pretty sure that, as I say, put me in charge of that and I would win everything with that mm. side. Um, but no, thank you very much for listening. Hopefully next week, I keep saying it, that we might have the full group of us on at some point. Hopefully we will. Ben should be back next week anyway and Connor is off there in the abyss somewhere. But yeah, as I say, once again, thank you very much for listening. Any suggestions, any feedback for the, anything the next few weeks in the, the next few episodes, please let me know over on Instagram or any platform in which you may have me on. Thank you very much to Harrison for coming in this week. We will see you all next week for once again, everything European football and discussing Bayer Leverkusen and Bayern Munich. <laughs>